Well, I'm excited to continue with you through our vision series. We're at part three of the vision series. If you remember, I shared with you a couple weeks ago that our directional team of pastors, those, those six pastors who provide oversight and direction, leadership and protection for our church family as we follow the Lord together, those six pastors got together with six other church members and the 12 of us spent some time on a little retreat uh, for two days seeking the Lord and, and trying to figure out where is it that the Lord wants us to go as a church family in order to be who He wants us to be right where we live as a church family. And so we had this great time together of seeing the Lord lead us to some, some clear direction and strategy moving forward as a church family. And over the next 10 months, we're going we're gonna to roll that out with leadership teams and experiences, different ways you can find out more about where we're heading so that when we get to the first of 2020, we're going to launch a vision 2020 for where we're going for the next 10 plus years as a church family. I'm super excited about that. I'm thrilled that we get to walk through that together. One of the ways that you can personally have some experiences with others in our church family around where we're going is to, is to download the small group material for the vision series and go through it in a small group. And so you can get that on the home group link at fbg.church. You can download that material. You can create a small group. You can grab your home group. You can grab a portion of your life group. You can get a Bible study group. Just get in a small group. Go through that material. It's four sessions. You can do it in four weeks or four months. We just hope that you'll walk through that material so that we each one will be prepared to follow the Lord. This whole series right now is about personal preparation, being ready to go where the Lord is calling us as a church family, no matter where that is, no matter what that looks like. And part of that personal preparation began in week one, just thinking about the fact that, that God wants us to find Him, that He's placed us where we live, when we live, so that we might find Him. And every one of us is living right now in your right here, right now moment to find God. Whatever's happening in your life, whatever has been going on this last week, God is ready to use those circumstances and those situations to provide you an opportunity to find Him. He wants every one of us right where we live, right when we live, to find Him. If we will spend time seeking after Him and digging into His Word, we will find Him because that's what He wants for our lives. And as we create those patterns of God's Word in our life and time and prayer and personal and corporate worship, we will find God. And as we find God, we'll have experiences of needing to realign our lives with who He is and what He says, confessing our sins where He's shown us that we need to change in order to be following Him, being who He made us to be, repenting and turning away from things in our lives that are keeping us from being who He's created us to be. Remember we talked about one of the ways to think about that is thinking about pumpkin jars, pumpkins grown inside of a jar. That if you grow a pumpkin inside of a jar, that pumpkin never becomes what it was meant to be. It's only able to grow as big as that jar. 
Yeah, we got to get out of those pumpkin jars in our own lives to become who God created us to be. We talked about three potential pumpkin jars we can be challenged with in our lives. One of them is about image. You know, cultivating an image that says I'm better than what I really am. I don't want you to know where I'm really struggling. I don't want you to know just how significantly I need the Lord. And we, we got to get out of that jar. I'm so grateful that every Sunday morning, there's a group of deacons that meets with me before our services begin, and they pray over me. And in that context this morning, I shared some of my need for the Lord in my life with those guys. And they just gathered around me and laid their hands on me, and they cried out to the Lord on my behalf. And I'm so glad I don't have to fake being okay. I can ask some guys to come around me and just lift me up before the Lord. We all got to get it out of that jar and be okay with sharing about how much we really need the Lord right when we need Him. We got to get out of that jar of fear. You know, some of us struggle at times with fear. Maybe we're having a hard time trusting because we've been let down. Maybe we're having a hard time loving because we've been betrayed. Maybe we feel like it's difficult to take a step of faith because we just don't know how dependable God will really be. We got to get out of that jar of fear. We also get to get out of the jar of preferences. You know, there's a lot of times in life where we just prefer to do things our way. We like the way things, the things we're doing, the way we're doing them, and we have a hard time accepting what we all know to be true. Everybody in this room knows that if we do our own thing, our, no, our own way, without regard for God, that it's going to end up in a mess. We all know that. And yet sometimes we really struggle with surrendering our lives fully to God, saying, we don't want our way, we want your way. We're willing to change. we got to get out of our jars to be who God's created us to be. So what the staff team did is we got together after, after we, we did that sermon and we decided that we were all going to have a little project and try to grow some pumpkins. And so we passed out some pumpkin seeds and there's some, perp- some, some folks on our team who are going to grow some pumpkins. And when a little pumpkin comes on that pumpkin vine, they're going to put it in a jar see what happens and they're going to have some pumpkins that don't get in jars and hopefully we're going to have this object lesson all year long because pumpkins get you know ripe in the fall and so all year long we're going to track our attempts to grow some pumpkins some in jars some not in jars so we have this constant reminder that we all each one want to get out of our pumpkin jars and be who God created us to be we want to find God Part two of the series was the fact that we can find God all day long, but if we're not willing to follow Him, it won't matter that we're finding Him. We've got to find God, and He wants us to, and when we find Him, He wants to change us so that we can become who He created us to be, which means we have to follow Him. We can't simply just find Him. We've got to follow Him. We've got to decide a conscious decision every time we find Him that we want to follow Him. You see, God doesn't want us to stay where we're at. He wants to change us. When we find Him, we're oftentimes going to see something about ourselves that needs to change. And in His grace and goodness, He wants to lead us in that change so that we become exactly who He's created us to be. And until each one of us is finding God and deciding to follow Him, 
We will never be the church family he intends us to be in our right here, right now moment. We're living in that moment. We live in Williamson County and we have over 500,000 people right here in the county and we're still one of the fastest growing counties in the state of Texas. People are coming here and this is a great place to live and we're a part of a generous and incredible church family and this is our right here, right now moment. And if each one of us is a person who's finding God and deciding to follow Him, then our church family is going to be ready to follow God in whatever way He calls us so that we might be a part of seeing God's glory ripple throughout our county into the ends of the earth. I want to be a part of an opportunity of experiencing something as a church family. We'd all look back on and say, there's no way we could have ever experienced that if we'd not been a people willing to do whatever God wanted to do and then we were blown away that God did more than we ever asked or imagined. I want to be a part of that kind of story. And so I want to get out of whatever jar is holding me back. And I want to be exactly who God's created me to be. And I want us to do that together. Because I want us to be used by God and spent by Him for His glory. Don't you want that? Several years ago, I was out camping with some friends. We were at Pertinalis Falls State Park. You ever been there? Uh, the Pertinalis River flows through that park. We were doing some hiking one day. We were hiking along, checking out everything, and we, we decided that we would hike to the point where we needed to cross the river. And if you've ever been to Pertinalis Falls State Park, the Pertinalis River is not a river that is incredibly difficult to cross. You can find places on the river where it's very easy to cross. But that's not how we were rolling that day. We wanted to find the most difficult place to cross because we wanted a challenge. And we found a place that was really difficult to cross. In fact, it was a place that required skill and courage to cross the river. Sometimes that's called pride and foolishness. But anyway, we were there at the river's edge, ready to cross that river. And to cross the river at this point required one huge leap onto a rock that if you landed on that rock, you could then safely cross the river. And so we were ready. And of course, the first person to go is always the one that is either the hero or the zero. And in this particular case, the first one to go was a hero. He set the stage. He leapt across, hit that rock, stepped onto the other side, and paved the way for all of us to do the same. It was an amazing experience. We were all ready to do it. Several of us kept going. I got mine over with and made it. Relief. Uh, and then one guy, he's there, he gets a little bit further back than everybody else. You can see a little bit of nervousness on his face, maybe even a little sweat beating up on his brow. And he begins to take his steps running towards the edge of the river. And he leaps, and as he leaps, everything slows down to slow motion. You know those moments when you realize this is not going to turn out good. It slows down and he falls short of that rock and his shin slams up against that rock. Yeah, it's terrible. He lays off on the side of that river and his, his leg is split open and bleeding, gushing blood. You know, for everybody before him, that rock that you had to land on was a stepping stone. But for him, it was a stumbling stone. And when he stumbled... It affected everybody on that hike more than we anticipated, right? 
So God wants us to find him. And he wants us to follow him. And there are many times when you find him and you decide, you make the decision, I'm going to follow him, that it feels like a leap. And when you're in the air of having made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, do you know what you realize you're coming down on many times? You're coming down on an opportunity to love a person in your life. And so many times, people in our lives can be stepping stones or stumbling stones in following Jesus Christ. Do you know that many times as you find God and make a decision to follow Him, that the people He puts in your life reveal whether or not you're still in a jar or whether or not you've gotten out and you're really ready to follow Him no matter what. Jesus tells us we're to love people, to love all people, And he doesn't let us off the hook because he doesn't tell us to just love the people that love us. No, he says, I want you to love people, and here's how I want you to think about it. He says, I want you to love people who you think are your enemies, not just your neighbors. There's a command that kind of summarizes everything that Jesus is saying when he communicates, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to love people. You read the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus goes into all these details about how you're to love people. You're not supposed to be angry with someone because if you're angry with someone, that makes you as guilty as the person who is a murderer. You're not supposed to look at someone who you're not married to and desire them the same way you would desire somebody you're married to because that makes you guilty of adultery. You're not supposed to be greedy. You're supposed to be instead somebody who is giving and sacrificial. You're not supposed to be somebody who doesn't care about others, but you're supposed to be somebody who's willing to serve someone, even if they can't serve you. You're not supposed to just do what's expected of you. No, you're supposed to do what's not expected of you to go the extra mile. Jesus lays out all of these commands in the Sermon on the Mount that detail what it looks like to love people. And he summarizes all of it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. I want to read that to you. Matthew 7, 12, he says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. You want to boil down God's expectations for you and for me? Here they are. When it comes to loving people, God simply wants you to treat people like you want them to treat you. To love even the one who doesn't love you. To serve even the one who can't serve you. Jesus wants us to love all people. That's a heavy challenge. You know why that's such a tremendous challenge for all of us? Because every single one of us kind of default to treating people the way they treat us. If you love me, I'll love you. If you're fun to be around, I'll be around you. If you treat me with kindness, I'll be kind to you. If you promote me, I'll promote you. If you treat me with respect, I'll respect you. But the moment you start sliding me, I'm going to stop treating you with the kind of love that you 
are not treating me with. You get angry at me, I'm going to make you pay. You cut me off on the road, watch how I'm going to drive when I get in front of you and slam on my brakes. I mean, we, we have this default where we really struggle with, I'll treat you the way you treat me. But Jesus is saying, I don't want my people to be like that. Jesus is saying, no, my people need to be the people who treat others like they want to be treated. And every one of us knows what that's like. We, we know what it's like to have a predetermined set of expectations towards others related to how they treat us. We want them to treat us in a certain way. Nobody today is going to go into a restaurant in our community. And you, you're not going to think when you walk into that restaurant, I am so excited about being here because the wait staff here are completely jerks. And I can't wait until they treat me like trash. Like I'm fired up about going to this restaurant because they're terrible here. Nobody does that. You go into the restaurant and you, you have expectations for how you want to be treated. And you're defining your experience in that place based on a set of expectations that you have on how you want to be treated. We all do that. You do that in your neighborhood. Nobody moved into your neighborhood thinking, you know, I've polled the neighborhood and I found out this is the worst place to live. I'm excited about being here. You don't do that. No, you want to find out this is a great place and you love living around neighbors who treat you neighborly. Nobody wants neighbors to treat them like enemies. We have expectations. We know exactly how we want people to treat us. And Jesus is telling us that's how you need to treat people. Even the people who will never treat you like you want to be treated. Love people. All people, even the people who feel like an enemy. That's heavy. People oftentimes will reveal whether or not we're still living inside that jar. But people often give us the opportunity to demonstrate that we follow the Lord right out of that jar and we are ready to love people. That's hard. How do you do that? Jesus tells a story in Matthew 13, also in Luke 8, it's recorded. And the story goes along the lines of someone out sowing seed. A sower of seed, throwing out seeds in different places where that seed could grow. You may remember hearing this story, how a sower went out through some seed in one place, through some seed in another place. And that seed would grow based on where it landed. And the seed that fell in the most fertile soil produced this amazing harvest. Well, one of the scenarios that Jesus describes in that parable is a scenario of a sower sowing seed on a rocky ground. He says that that seed falls on that rocky ground, but the ground, the soil is not deep. Because the soil is not deep, it has an effect on the seed. You see, the seed finds just enough soil to burst forth into life. And that seed bursting forth into life tries to send down roots, but because the soil is so shallow, the seed cannot send down roots, and so instead the seed just pushes up more plant above the soil. So what it looks like to the onlooker going by is, wow, 
Look how that seed has sprung to life. Unbelievable. How fast it's growing. Incredible life there. And then the sun comes out and dries out that shallow soil and causes that once thriving new plant to wither and die and blow away. And Jesus says that seed that falls into that rocky soil is like when someone accepts the truth, but the difficulties of their lives beat down on them and it's revealed they did not have deep soil and they didn't have deep roots to make it through the challenges of life and demonstrate the life of Christ. You want to know how you love people? So that you don't stumble over the opportunities that God has put in front of you. So that you follow him in loving people. You want to know how? Deep soil. Deep roots. God has designed a relationship with him so that the soil of our hearts becomes deeper and deeper and deeper. So that the roots of knowing him go so deep that the difficulties of loving, hard-to-love people are nothing but an opportunity to demonstrate God's grace. You know how God deepens the soil of our hearts? It's right here in Matthew 7. Look at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish he will not give him a snake will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven Give what is good to those who ask Him. God wants the soil of your heart to be so deep that the roots of knowing Him could withstand every challenge. And so He invites us to deepen the soil of our hearts by simply asking Him for what we need. He wants us to come. He commands us. Come and ask. And I want you to come and ask because I want to respond. God's telling us he's ready to answer our request. He's commanding us to come and ask because he wants to answer our request. He's commanding us to seek after him because he wants us to find him. He's commanding us to knock on the door of the opportunity of becoming exactly who he created us to be because he wants to open that door of opportunity to us again and again. In fact, The way Jesus commands this is he's telling us, don't just ask once. Don't just seek once. Don't just knock once. No, ask incessantly. Seek undyingly. And knock repeatedly. 
You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You keep on knocking because God wants you to keep on hearing his answer that he cares about you, that he's supplying you everything you need. He wants you to keep on finding him so that you recognize that everything that he is exactly what your soul needs. He wants you to keep on knocking on those doors of opportunity so that you understand he's the one that's making you into you were created to be and he has a purpose for your life. He wants the soil of your heart to be so deep that the roots go so deep in knowing him that you discover out of his love for you, you can love others. You can love others. He wants you to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking so that you will experience what it means to belong to Him. Because if you keep on experiencing every moment of your life, no matter where you are in that leap of following God, whatever person you come down in front of, that God's given you opportunity to love, you will be able to love them. There's a lot of you in here that know exactly what it's like to raise kids. A lot of you in here know what it's like to raise grandkids. And you know what it's like to leverage your life for your kids. Now, Lindley and I, we are on the precipice of having grandkids. And we're excited about that because we think it's going to be a lot of fun to step into that stage of life. We've heard from other people who are a little bit ahead of us that actually stepping into the stage of having grandkids is a whole lot better than having kids. And you got to have kids to get the grandkids, but it's much, it's very worth it. And so we're taking their word, and uh, we're, we're excited about that new stage. And uh, so we think about what has it been like to literally leverage our lives and make choices in our lives and make sacrifices in our lives to give our kids every opportunity to become who God created them to be. I mean, Lindley and I have made many choices over the course of our married life in such a way that our kids simply cannot understand the difficulties and the sacrifices and the time and the energy and the exasperation and the challenge of what we've done to try to love them and give to them exactly what they need so they become exactly who God's created them to be. You feeling that? I mean, what it's like to be a parent? It's amazing to be able to provide for your kids in such a way that your kids can flourish and become who God's created them to be. And then now we're on the edge of being able to supply for our grandkids exactly what they need to be, exactly what God created them to be. We're so excited about being able to give of our lives, our time and our energy, even to our grandkids, and we never have to worry about disciplining them. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be so amazing to be a part of seeing that happen and knowing that from our hand, we have provided for them opportunities to become who God created them to be. You know what that's like. Jesus says to us, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give what you need when you ask it, when you seek after Him, when you knock for that opportunity? God loves you. 
And he cares about everything that's coming out of your mouth, everything you're thinking in your mind, everything you're going through. And he wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. He wants you to knock because he's ready to show you that you belong to him. He's ready to answer in a way that helps you be exactly who he's made you to be. He's ready to reveal himself so that it changes you to be who he wants you to be. He's ready to open the door of opportunity so you are able to get out of that jar and become more and more what he wants you to be. The next time you encounter somebody that's just really hard to love, he wants you to experience the deepening of the soil of your heart through hearing him meet you in your need. So ask him. Seek after him. Knock on the door and experience the reality that you belong to him. You know what happens when you know you belong to him and you keep being reminded of that every time you're seeking after him? It means that the person that you don't like loving because they're unkind to you is somebody you can love because you're experiencing the kindness of God. Somebody that can never return service to you doesn't have to. They're under no obligation to you as you pour out your life in service to them because you've experienced the kindness of God pouring out his service to you in the person of Jesus Christ. When you know that you have heard God's answer, when you have found his presence, when you've seen the door of opportunity open and that you belong to him, there is nothing anybody can do that makes them too hard to love. He he wants us to find him. He wants us to follow him. But every single one of us will be confronted with the opportunity to love someone. Because following Jesus means loving people. And any time For any one of us, that the opportunity to love someone becomes a stumbling stone, it dramatically affects our church family more than we can imagine. And God wants us, He has a mission for us to love the people of this county. And each one of us need to find Him, follow Him, and love people. Because we know the love of God.